Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy. Season 2, episode... Crap, what episode is this? <laughs> Let me... Hold, please. This is episode... 19 of the entire series, and episode... Seven of season two entitled lie to me it um as always i discuss each episode of buffy the vampire slayer exactly 20 years after it originally aired meaning that today november 3rd 2017 is 20 years after the original air date on november 3rd 1997 so this is a pretty important episode it's written and directed by joss whedon so you know that it's you know Usually, that means that it is of good quality. That means that there are little nuggets throughout the episode that are sort of foreshadowing the future and the major themes that are important to the season and possibly the entire series. Um, it's a meaningful episode and... Um, it's, yeah, it's important and it's meaningful and it's, it's good. So, I'm going to read you the description in the complete slayer which is going to be laughably terrible but this is what we do okay the description of lie to me billy ford fordham buffy's boyfriend at Henry, which he wasn't she just had a crush on him arrives in sunnydale at the bronze she introduces angel to ford but the situation is awkward outside buffy hears a scuffle and sends ford back while she confronts a vampire she makes up a story explaining her actions but ford says that he knows she's the slayer later ford attends a club full of groupies who dream of joining the undead angel asks willow to find out what she can about ford she discovers that he never registered at sunnydale high confirming angel's suspicions Ford meets Spike and offers him the Slayer in exchange for immortality. Buffy goes to the club, and while they wait for Spike to arrive, she tries to reason with Ford, who reveals he has incurable brain cancer. Spike and his cohorts, cohorts arrive and begin to feed. Buffy grabs Drusilla and tells Spike to let the clubbers go. Later, Buffy returns to find Ford's body. So that does, like, give the general outline of the plot. Um... So this episode is about two different things. It's about who can you trust? How important is trusting someone? How important is it to be truthful? And um, also that this is one of the very first episodes of Buffy that really digs in and lets you know that morality is not black and white that um the good guys aren't always 100 percent, are usually not 100 percent good and the bad guys are not 100 percent bad and this episode is just like every single character you're getting a piece of that um it's also the first time that Buffy finds out who Drusilla is and it's the first time that we as viewers get a backstory on Drusilla so in many ways this is a pretty important episode um to me personally because I Drusilla is one of my top five favorite characters of Buffy um I think she is underutilized um in the very very first scene um Buffy's patrolling and she sees Angel. Um, the, the episode actually opens with Drusilla stalking a kid in a playground. She's by herself, which is, this is the first time you've seen her by herself without Spike at her side. And um, because she's been weak because she almost got killed um, in Prague. Um, so she's stalking a kid. She's about to kill him and Angel intervenes and the kid runs away and this is the first time that you see that angel knows drusilla and buffy is like patrolling or whatever and she sees them together and she's far away and she can't she from the angle it kind of looks like they're kissing and um later she sees him at the bronze and she asks him 
what he did last night. And he lies to her and says, nothing, I just stayed at home. And so this is the, and she obviously knows that he didn't just stay at home. So everybody in this episode lies to Buffy at some point. Um, Willow ends up lying to Buffy because Angel asks her to not reveal to Buffy that they are investigating Ford just because Angel has a bad feeling. Um, I guess Giles doesn't really lie to Buffy, does he? Giles does not lie to Buffy. And I think that's an important, that's not just a, they accidentally forgot to have Giles lie to Buffy. I think that's an important thing right there. Um, and the episode actually ends with a really great conversation between Giles and Buffy. Um, their relationship is just getting better and better. Um, there's this cute moment in um, Giles and Jenny are planning their second date throughout this. And they go on their second date in this episode. And Buffy has to beep Jenny's beeper, I guess, and call them out of the date because she needs help figuring out, I don't know, some vampire situation, whatever. <laughs> some vampire situation, whatever. And um, anyway, there's this really cute moment before he goes on the date. He's talking to Buffy and it's almost like he's asking her permission to go on the date. He's, he's like, there shouldn't be any trouble. Um, I don't know where we're going, but because Jenny doesn't tell him where she's taking him. But here's the number of Ginny's beeper if you need me. And he just seems like really like nervous and kind of twitchy. Like he feels like he's shirking his duties as a watcher to go out on a date. And she reassures him. And this is not the first time that we've seen Buffy like reassure Giles that he's allowed to have a social life. Like he's always telling her that she shouldn't have one. And he's always she's always reminding him that he gets to have one. Um, and she's like, hey, as she says something like, go experience this thing called fun. I'll try not to have a crisis. <laughs> and um, it turns out Jenny was taking him to monster trucks and he hated it, which was also a cute little moment. Um, let's see. Um, whenever Angel saves Drusilla in the, in that first scene, saves Drusilla, saves um, the kid that Drusilla was about to kill in the playground. Um, you wonder kind of like, why doesn't he just kill her? So you find out later the backstory. Um, I don't know if I should say that yet because that's much later in the episode. Maybe I should go through my notes kind of chronologically and try not to reveal that whole situation yet. Um, okay. Oh, um, another thing to back up um, when I said before that Drew is a really underutilized character. She is a precog, essentially. Like, she can see the future. And because she's crazy, people don't take her seriously. But, and this is one of the little nuggets of foreboding that is dropped in this episode that um, I don't think I realized before. Like, I've seen this episode a gajillion times, but I don't think I realized it until today when I was taking notes on the episode. She says to Angel, whenever they're talking in the playground after the kid has run off, she says to him, you know, something about that the Slayer's scent is all over him. Not, like, in the sense that, like, they've touched recently, but just, like, she touches his chest and, like, she's all in here. That kind of thing. Like, saying that he loves her and all that shit. Um... And she's just kind of curious about it. Um, and then she says, she has no idea. She has no idea what's in store. This is just the beginning. So they obviously knew where this season was going to go. And in, an, in like, what is it, like four or five episodes from now, Angel's going to lose his soul. And he's going to become evil again. Um, Drew also says to him in this, in this exchange, she says to him, um, are you going to hurt me? Oh no, you can't do that anymore. Um, meaning that, you know, so you're like, what? He used to hurt her? Like, what's going on? What's their relationship? Um, so I, this episode is really structured well and it's set up well. And um, of course, any scene with Drusilla and I'm paying attention to every single tiny little moment because she's one of my favorites. 
Um, oh, Giles has a conversation with Buffy at one point. Um, he's been doing research on Spike and, you know, he says something like, "I he doesn't know why Spike is in Sunnydale, which my initial reaction to that was, um, he likes to kill slayers. Why wouldn't they just assume that he's there because he wants to kill Buffy? He's killed two slayers in the past. What, I mean, what other motivation do we need him to have? Um, a reminder, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. There's your warning. Um, so there are two different little nuggets like that dropping hints of why Spike is in Sunnydale. Spike and Drusilla are in Sunnydale. Um, there's that little moment of Giles saying he doesn't know why he's here. And then there's this other moment where one of Spike's lackey vampires comes to the library and steals a book and it, it's very subtle because all of a sudden like there's a vampire stealing a book from the library which tips Buffy off to the fact that Ford earlier her friend Ford earlier had told her that he had killed that vampire because they had seen that vampire out the night before and that was that was Buffy's first clue that like Ford is lying to me like, everybody is lying to her in this episode, and she gets real depressed about it. Um, but anyway, so that vampire, so that particular subtle, I thought was a subtle plot point, serves two purposes. Like, tips Buffy off to the fact that Ford's been lying to her, and um, then it continues in the next scene where Ford is talking to Spike and trying to, like, make a deal with him because he wants to become a vampire since he's got tumors and he's just you know wants to live forever and be cured of his tumors so he's talking to spike trying to convince him to turn him into a vampire and um that vampire that ford said he killed gets back and brings spike a book and it's just like the subtle little moment like he he just says thank you i think this will be very helpful and he opens it and sort of looks at the book for a second because he's not really interested in ford talking to him and then he sets the book down and that's it and later we will find out that um, Spike is planning a restoration spell um, because Drusilla is so weak. And so she needs the blood. It turns out she needs the blood of her maker, which is Angel, which we're about to find out. Um, let's see. One of the first scenes... Um, Willow and Xander are both wearing awesome outfits. Xander is wearing this like shiny spandexy red Adidas shirt with like, you know, thrift store grandpa plaid pants that are like red and green. They're very Christmassy because Willow's sitting next to him on the couch and she's wearing an olive green sweater and she's her makeup is gorgeous like they're getting her makeup on point like in the past they've made willow's makeup just be very sweet and cutesy and i i wonder if it was intentional because the last episode was the halloween episode where she wore kind of like gothy dark makeup and in this episode her makeup is sort of a really awesome balance between those two things it's not like really dark and goth necessarily but it's um, definitely less sweet and cutesy than it has been in the past. Um, so she looks really good in this episode. She's at peak Willow awesomeness at this point. Um, no Oz in this episode, unfortunately, but um, he will be coming soon, I hope. When do we even get to see Oz again? It might be a few more episodes. I'm not sure. Um, okay, so there's that. Um, Ford. Oh, God. Ford comments when he first meets Angel at the bronze um, that his hands are cold. It's like, hey, oh, you've got cold hands. And I thought that was a kind of a weird little thing. Like, a, like they're dropping the hint that, hey, Angel's dead. Vampires are cold. But if he's cold like a corpse all the time, they never mention anything like that again in the vampire mythology of Buffy. So, I don't know, I just thought that was kind of clunky putting that in there because they don't follow through with that at all. Um, Buffy's hair and makeup, everybody's makeup in this episode is on point. 
it feels like somebody different. Like, I like the makeup in this series generally, but in this episode, everybody's makeup looks awesome. Buffy looks great. Her hair is... They've gotten her out of the stupid mom hair phase that she was in in season one, and she looks good. Um, let's see. Buffy and Willow talking on the phone. Oh, yeah, that was cute. Like, there's a, there's some little cute moments between Willow and Buffy in this episode because Buffy just starts talking to Willow about, you know, how she saw Drusilla and Angel lied to her and, you know, like, who is this chick? Blah, blah, blah. Giles at one point um, starts, does some research, you know, to see, because he's doing research on Spike and um, he's got his books out and Buffy sees the, sees a picture of Drusilla and she's, and she recognizes her as the person that she saw in the cemetery or in the playground or whatever, talking to Angel. And she, she says, who's this? And Giles says, you know, a sometime paramour of spike um she was killed in Prague, and buffy's like uh no she wasn't i just saw her um anyway so there's this goth club that ford and his friend own or something because the friend is talking about the lease being up soon or some shit anyway it's like a goth club in a bomb shelter pretty cute they're playing like sisters of mercy and shit like that like i'd want to go to this club um and this is where we first meet chanterelle Chanterelle is a character that will come up again. She will have three different names throughout the Buffyverse series. Um, so this is the first time we meet her. And she always is naming herself. So Chanterelle isn't her real name, but it's it's the name that she has whenever she's a goth chick. And then later we meet her um, at the beginning of season three. Um, Buffy meets her in LA and her she's going by Lily at that point and um, then and she's homeless and it's it's really sad but she has an interesting story arc because she obviously is depressed or damaged or just you know unfortunate in general like she's got a sad backstory but um she ends up being a care a pretty a recurring character on angel and at that point she's going by Anne, and that's her like final her final um incarnation i guess as a character she goes by Anne, and at that point she is um somebody that helps out like teenagers that are homeless and stuff like that. So it's, she has an interesting story arc and I like her as a character. So it was fun to meet Chanterelle. Um, let's see. So they're at the goth club. And at this point, Willow, this is Willow, Angel and Xander. They're like still kind of investigating. Like, What's the deal with this Ford kid? They find out he's not actually going to the school. Like he said, he is, he said that he got transferred and that's why he's in Sunnydale, but he's not actually enrolled in high school there. So they're kind of investigating and I don't know how they end up in the goth club. I don't, I don't remember, but anyway, Xander and Willow are just, <laughs> um, I don't know, just being kind of cute. Anyway, I'm I'm jumping ahead. Goth club. Okay. So this is before they are in the goth club. The first time we see the goth club, we see that Ford is involved with the goth club somehow. We see that there are all these people that want to be vampires. So the big plan is that he's going to convince, that Ford is going to convince a vampire to turn all of them into vampires. Um, and then that's when Angel goes to Willow's house and this is when Willow has to, they make a point to show this, that Willow has to formally invite Angel in to her bedroom. So now that she has done this, this serves as, this is the moment, this is the only time he goes to her bedroom until later whenever he's evil and he doesn't have a soul and he's tormenting Buffy by um he breaks into willow's room and he kills all of her fish and leaves her a scary note um so this is why he's able to do that because she invites him in at this moment and anyway he's looking for her help she looks on the internet and that's when she finds out that ford is not registered at school um i also put a note that 
she was wearing like Willow's wearing like a full face of makeup even though she's in her pajamas and she's in like cute little slippers and like she looks like she's ready to go to bed but she's wearing like dark red matte lipstick and I mean her her makeup looks good but it also is like uh girl why are you wearing a full face of makeup while you're in your jammies um whatever anyway uh in this scene I made notes like Angel's makeup is on point in this episode. I wish they had been consistent about his makeup being like this throughout the series um, because he looks hot in this episode. I normally don't think Angel looks hot, but he looks hot in this episode. He is wearing, or his makeup is, they've got him looking really pale. They've got him wearing like a little bit of eyeliner, like smudgy. So you're not really supposed to like register that he's wearing eyeliner but they he is um and his lips are super pink which makes him look paler so um that's my type you know (laughs) dudes wear makeup is my type and he's wearing like like red shirts and black shirts and stuff they're really amping up the gothness in this episode of a lot of characters everybody just looks good in this episode um, let's see. Except Ford. Ford is like wears like the most boring clothes ever. Like I don't trust that motherfucker from the beginning. Of course. Um, okay, let's see. Giles is all nervous about abandoning he abandoning his duties. I already told you that. Um <laughs> there's this cute moment where when Xander and Willow and Angel are investigating the goth club. However it was that they l- got led there, I can't remember. I don't know. Um, Xander and Willow are by themselves and like they made a comment that they're both dressed you know not at all goth and they're in a goth club and Xander says we don't stick out at all like sore thumbs and Willow's like sore thumbs do they really stick out I mean have you ever looked at the thumb and went man that thumb is sore (laughs) and Xander just says you have too many thoughts (laughs) which I thought was cute um, let's see. Angel, when he meets Chanterelle, um, Willow and Xander are talking to Chanterelle and then Angel walks up and he's, he's just really mean. Like, he's just like, okay, I've seen these types, people that worship vampires, blah, 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 tell themselves bedtime stories that vampires are really cute and cuddly, blah, blah, blah. And these people don't know anything about vampires. They don't know what vampires are like. They don't know how vampires dress. And then there's this cute visual gag where somebody walks down the stairs right behind Angel as he's going on this little rant. And he's dressed in the exact same outfit that Angel is. And they sort of like, he sort of like looks at him like, hey, nice outfit. And then walks up. He doesn't say nice outfit, but he just like has a look. And it's a good little gag. I like it. Um, let's see. Giles monster truck. Uh, Buffy's wearing leopard pants whenever she, um, meets Giles in the library after he has, um, been pulled out of his date when she beeped Jenny's beeper. Uh, and that's when it's revealed that he was at a monster truck rally. And that was just a fun little comedy moment. And that's when the vampire comes in and steals the book. Um, Before Ford, so that's when it goes to the scene where Ford ends up asking um, Spike to make him a vampire. Um, Before Ford gets there, it's, you first, you just see Drew and she's talking to a bird inside of a birdcage that is obviously dead. And she keeps like asking it to sing. She's like, I'll pout if you don't sing and all this stuff. Um. And for a second, Spike, like, loses his temper with her because she keeps, like, he's trying to ask her, like, what did you do last night? Why did you go out without me? You know, like, he's afraid that she's lying to her and he's jealous. Um, He's very jealous of Angel. Um, And so he loses his temper for a second because she's not really listening to him. She's preoccupied with the bird. And he's like, the bird's dead, Drew. It's dead because you didn't feed it and it died just like the last one and she she acts really upset and she's very childlike and and he says oh I'm sorry Drew I'm a bad rude man and he just like is genuinely sorry that he was just mean to her um 
And I, it's just like another cute little moment of I really, really do think that Spike is loyal to Drew and loves Drew. And this is one of the things that I thought was maybe interesting about this episode is almost everybody in this episode lies. Almost everybody in this episode is shown to be like not 100% good or 100% bad. And um, Spike in this episode, he doesn't tell any lies to anyone. He even follows through on his word because Ford, when he comes in in a second, he um, he asks Spike to turn him in exchange that he will, you know, get Buffy to that. He will serve Buffy to to him and, you know, whatever. He will make Buffy available for Spike to kill if Spike turns him into a vampire, essentially, is what the the bargain was. And um, Spike agrees to it. And even when the situation doesn't go through the way that they had planned, because Buffy saves everyone. um, And it, yeah, and she doesn't die. (laughs) Like, you know, she saves the day. Afterwards, um, Ford's like, okay, so you're going to turn me into a vampire now? And Spike's like, um, and he's like, well, I, I delivered my end of the bargain. I, I gave you Buffy. And, and you, then the scene ends and you don't realize until the very, very end of the episode when Spike or when Ford rises from his grave um, that Spike followed through on his word. He turned him into a vampire even after it didn't work out. Um, so interestingly, you can trust Spike. Spike is not going to ever pretend to be something that he's not. He's not going to lie. Spike's going to, but I mean, actually that's not consistent with his character because he says things sometimes that he doesn't intend to follow through with. But in this, in this episode, Spike is someone that you can trust, even though he's evil. Um, let's see. Drew is introduced to Buffy. Oh, oh, um, yeah. I I think it's interesting that Drew as a character was introduced to Buffy, not as like it's mentioned, like Giles mentions that he that Spike is his is Drusilla's boyfriend, but she's ultimately introduced to Buffy as being an individual because the first time she sees her, she's just talking to Angel. Um, and when, I, I don't know, I just thought that was interesting that like, as soon as Joss Whedon gets involved, he actually tries to tell Drusilla's story. Whereas in the past, up until now, Drusilla's just been the crazy girlfriend of Spike. And this is the first time that we're getting some backstory for Drusilla. And I like that she's getting some character development in general, because I love her. Um, so... Ford lures Buffy to the goth club and locks her in because it's a bomb shelter. So if you close the door, I guess it can only be open from the outside, whatever. So he traps her and they're waiting for sunset when Spike is scheduled to arrive and kill everyone and turn Ford into a vampire. So um, this is when it's revealed as they're waiting for Spike and everybody and his gang to arrive and... Um, she's been trapped. She's looking for a way out and Ford reveals to Buffy that his motivation for doing this and wanting to become a vampire is because he has tumors in his brain and Buffy gets upset and she kind of cries. She's known this guy since like elementary school or some shit. She likes him. She used to have a huge crush on him. Like throughout the episode, she's hanging out with him constantly. And you think that, you know, it might be, a possible love interest for her and she's very upset that he's not just 100% bad you know like she went from thinking he was a good guy to immediately thinking he was a bad guy and then she finds out that there's complications and that's kind of what this whole episode is about essentially is like everybody has complicated shit you know um and this is, oh, I totally skipped over that big scene between um, Angel and Buffy. I need to go back to that. That's an important scene. 
So Angel comes over to Buffy's house. This is when he he's coming over in order to tell her that, you know, she can't trust Ford. That he found out whatever he and Willow and Xander investigated. He essentially found out that, um, you know, Ford, for whatever reason, wants to become a vampire. He doesn't know what that has to do with Buffy. But... Or, like, what Ford wants with Buffy. He didn't know that part of the story. And so he's going there to tell her that. He's going to her house to tell her that. Of course, Joyce is nowhere to be found. They don't even bother to, like... Every once in a while, Buffy will be like, Yeah, Mom's out of town for a couple days. She'll just drop that in there. But they don't even bother saying anything about where Joyce is in this episode. Um just couldn't pay that actress. I don't think she actually lived in LA. So I think that's what the pr the problem was with Joyce being gone all the time. But I don't know why they didn't cast someone that they could have be more a more constant presence. Because it wasn't really like a story element that they wanted to tell that her mom was absentee. That's like not, not something that they ever dealt with. You're supposed to think that Joyce was a good mother overall but she's always fucking gone and they just don't even explain it and i don't know i mean i'd hate to think of joyce as someone other than christine sutherland but she's not the best actress in the world like it's hard for me to imagine just because she wasn't ever anyone else but she could have been someone else someone that was more available <laughs> you know um anyway so angel just walks into her kitchen where the fuck is joyce Buffy's having a cup of tea. <laughs> that makes me want to have a cup of tea right now. Um, <laughs> so, at this point, Buffy's pissed off, okay? Um, because everybody's lying to her. She doesn't understand, you know, who she can trust. Um, and just everything's fucked up and turned around. She already, at this point, knows that there's something weird going on with Ford, but she doesn't know what it is um and angel when angel says that you know he and willow and xander have been investigating and you know reveals what he knows buffy's like oh great willow and xander it's a big fat conspiracy and i'm just not in on any of this and you know they still haven't had the conversation she still hasn't confronted a angel about the fact that he lied to her about what he did the night before or whatever whenever he was with drusilla and this is where she finally comes out with it. And she just asks him, who's Drusilla? And he says he, that the truth is too painful. And she asks for it anyway. And he tells her. So this is the big backstory of Drusilla. With Angel. Um, Drusilla was a big obsession of Angel's. You know, like 200 years ago or whatever. When he was still kind of a baby vampire. He became obsessed with Drusilla and he tormented her um, and tortured her. He killed all of her family. Um, he, he said that he made her insane, which they don't elaborate on. I'm guessing he just, you know, did his Angelus thing and just like fucked with her so much that she went crazy because she was a person that could, she had visions. She could see the future. She was, you know... She always had that ability, um, even when she was a human, and which is why I theorize that she's a potential, that she would have been a potential, um, well, I mean, that she was a potential back then, but once you become a vampire, you can't become a slayer. <laughs> Although, wouldn't that be a cool part of the mythology if you remained a potential slayer even after becoming a vampire? Like, what if you got called as a slayer when you were already a vampire? What? <laughs> oh, I keep making up all these weird headcanons and shit. <laughs> um, anyway, so he just reveals to Buffy that he was obsessed with her. He made her completely insane. He killed all of her friends and family, everyone she loved. She ended up um, joining a convent because she... You know, she thought, she already kind of thought that she was crazy because of the visions that she had. Um, and everybody in that time, it would have been like the 1700s at that point. Everybody was probably telling her that she was wrong and evil because of her visions. Um, 
so she and then he said on the day that she was taking her communion on the day that she was taking her vows as a nun yeah the day that she was like taking her vows and becoming a nun he turned her into a vampire and Buffy you can tell that she's extremely upset by that she has empathy for Drusilla um and I think that okay um yeah, I'm going to say that in a second. I don't want to jump ahead. Um, and then there's this moment where Angel asks Buffy, do you love me? Which I thought was a little bit weird. Like, I know they have like this super intense crap for each other, but they still like you've seen them kiss twice. They've gone on some kind of maybe date dates, but still like I, I still don't find their relationship advanced enough to be having this conversation but whatever they are so he asks her do you love me and she she's very taken aback by that because duh they're having a super upsetting conversation and like this is not the time for that but she tells him i love you so this is the first time that she's saying that to him um but then she says i don't i love you i don't know if i trust you which i think is a really important like this exchange needed to happen i feel like and i guess it needed to happen in this episode i just wish they would have spent more time actually building up their relationship in a way that made it feel more believable to me like just them having intense feelings for each other for no fucking reason is just i don't know that is just not enough for me um i have to see some proof <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think that moment is very important. Um, so the whole exchange is kind of important. So I'm just going to go, I'm just going to repeat that first part and then say the whole thing. So she says, I love you. I don't know if I trust you. And he says, maybe you shouldn't do either. And she's like, maybe I should be the one to decide that. Um, so I think that's, that's really important too is like he's trying to tell her what to do and he's trying to like and he is 242 years old or whatever the fuck so he has some life experience but she's like no you're not going to tell me how i feel i get to be the one that gets to decide how i feel about this i also think that it's important that this is the one of, one of the only times in pop culture history that you see one person in a relationship telling the other one that they love them without that person saying it back immediately and it not being an issue like he doesn't say that he loves her too after she says it's such a weird like he's such a baby he's such like a 14 year old like he asks her if she loves him she tells him she loves him and then he's like well maybe you shouldn't <laughs> like <laughs> such an asshole anyway um so he tells her the story about how he made Drew insane and then turned her into a vampire, blah, blah, blah. He feels very guilty. He actually says, you know, like, I did a lot of unconscionable things while I was a vampire and Drusilla was the worst. And then he explains all this stuff, which is another little foreboding drop in the bucket because him explaining to Buffy, frankly, how terrible he was and what he did to Drusilla is something that he will do to Buffy later um Buffy is the obsession that Angel has once he's lost his soul and it's bad it's really bad um he plans to do that same thing to her later um, I mean he's not thinking that right now because he has a soul that's not his plan but anyway um let's see the next day Buffy is wearing a stripy fishnetty looking like off the shoulder sweater with like a black tank top under it she's wearing like a cute white barrette in her hair and some like white patent leather shoes and some like tartany looking stretch pant type situation um so that's probably her best outfit of the episode i would say um you can tell that she's mad at willow and xander but she doesn't make a big thing of it like like willow's very willow's upset and she like because at this point they know that she knows that they lied to her and Xander doesn't even like he doesn't feel bad at all he doesn't even really fucking say anything Willow just like Willow and Xander are hanging out on the steps whenever Buffy walks into school and Willow's like oh my god I'm so sorry we had to Angel didn't want us to say anything while we were investigating Ford just in case it was nothing and 
Buffy is obviously mad, but she doesn't like go off and yell. She's just very controlled and subdued. And Angel doesn't, or Xander just doesn't say a fucking word. Like, that's another thing. Like, every time Joss Whedon is writing the fucking script, especially, like, Xander doesn't have to be culpable for anything, ever. Like, he's not usually a big part of the plot, which I guess is sort of the point. Like, Joss is focusing on the women most of all, most of the time. So Xander is sort of forgotten. He's just sort of there to like whatever, but he doesn't have to like I think he should feel I mean if Willow feels bad for having to lie to Buffy, shouldn't Xander feel bad too? But it's never even he doesn't nobody even thinks about addressing that issue at all whatsoever and he doesn't address it either. Whatever. Anyway, um let's see. Uh and this is when Buffy goes to the goth club and um ford reveals that he's got tumors and then spike and drusilla and the gang their little gang arrive so this is the first time that this episode in general is the first time that drusilla goes out she went out by herself to try to kill that kid and she comes out with spike this is the first time she leaves with spike every other time spike has gone somewhere to do mischief with Drusilla staying at home because she's been weak but she comes out and she's still weak like she doesn't do anything she stands at the top of the stairs while um Spike is killing (laughs) Spike and the gang are trying to like kill everybody in the goth club and Buffy immediately sees an opportunity and and this is kind of a leap of faith for Buffy because at this point she just knows that Drusilla is connected to Spike that she's kind that she's Spike's girlfriend but at this point she's never seen them together she doesn't know how devoted to Drusilla Spike is but she just takes an opportunity she sees Drusilla standing by herself and she knows that she's probably weak because she almost got killed in Prague and she just jumps up to the platform and she puts a stake against um Drusilla's chest and then she yells to spike and she says let everyone go or your girlfriend fits in an ashtray and spike immediately tells everyone to stop tells every let's tells the gang his gang to let everybody go and like he does not miss a single beat he does exactly what buffy says (laughs) exactly that's how much he loves drusilla so i like that moment in general And Buffy, I think, my theory is that she, like Angel earlier in the episode, would never think to hurt Drusilla. He would not kill Drusilla because he is responsible for Drusilla. And so he just couldn't bring himself to do it. I think Buffy feels, she feels so much empathy for Drusilla because of what Angel did to her that she probably I I feel like she really wouldn't have killed Drusilla either in this moment like she was going to keep her bargain with Spike um in my the Buffy podcast that I listened to buffering the vampire slayer they were talking about like why didn't she just kill Drusilla she doesn't know Drusilla like why is she keeping promises to Spike and I think that's part of the whole deal too is that Buffy's not going to lie. Buffy's not going to go against her word, even if she is making a bargain with the vampire that she hates. Like, she tells Spike if he lets everyone go that she won't kill Drusilla, and she follows through. Um, And this is establishing trust between her and Spike as well, because later in this season in fact at the end of this season spike goes to buffy to get her help with like he like angel wants to start the apocalypse or whatever the fuck and spike doesn't he just wants to get drusilla and get the fuck out of sunnydale um and so he comes and he makes a deal with Buffy so that they can work together because both of them want to avoid the the apocalypse. So they have a common goal. Um, so this is this episode is just dropping little nuggets all over the place for the way that the season is going to um, 
progress. So I this episode is very good. I like it a lot. It it means a lot. I like the the message, the moral implications, all that stuff. Um, at the very end, there's this really great scene. Oh, we got to talk about, you know, people not being 100% good or 100% bad. This is the first time Buffy is complicit in a human's death. Because at this point, when when Buffy and Spike are talking and um, all the humans have escaped, it's only Spike and his gang that are still in the bomb shelter. And I guess Ford is like knocked out somewhere. I don't remember how that happened, but he's like passed out or something. So you're not seeing him at this point when they're having the conversation. But um, as soon as, so as soon as everybody gets out, Buffy says to Spike, um, okay, this is what's going to happen. You're going to stay here and you're going to not kill anybody else. And I'm going to leave. Okay. And then she throws Drusilla down some stairs at Spike and he catches her and then she runs out. And at that point, Xander and Willow and Giles are arriving to, to help save Buffy. Um, and she's like, Hey, you guys are just in time, blah, blah, blah. And she says, we'll come back in the morning. And Xander says, asks, why are we going to come back in the morning? And she says, for the body. So that's a pretty heavy moment that she, like, she leaves Ford in there to die. She fully believes that they're not going to turn him into a vampire, that they're going to kill him. And she just lets it happen. And they do. They go back the next morning and he's there and he's dead. Um, so that's an interesting little moment that like Buffy, you know, things are not black and white. Buffy is not going to always be the total golden hero. Um, so anyway, I don't know, like the more I talk about this episode, the more I really love it. And I think it's very important. Um, so I, I don't think Buffy was wrong in that, like, I think she was, it was kind of a mercy killing because like Ford, even though he was terrible, he didn't want to die by wasting away of cancer. Um, he thought he was going to have about six months left and he was going to, you know, shrivel up and die. Um, she didn't want him to have to go through that, but she also had to fulfill her moral obligations blah 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 like she goes to his grave which why the fuck is he buried in sunnydale he obviously ran away from home he lived in la and his parents aren't there and he didn't really transfer there so like where the fuck were his parents this whole time they've got a terminal kid like whatever i don't know why he was buried in sunnydale that said so she's at the grave with giles the next day and they're waiting like just in case Spike did follow through on his word. So I, I don't know. They don't really ever bring it up. But I wonder if this was sort of a test to see a test for Buffy to see if she could trust Spike. I, I don't maybe not. That That's probably stupid. That's probably a reach. But anyway, he does. Ford does rise from the grave and she has to kill him. But it just happens really fast. Like he just rises up. She stakes him. And Giles and Buffy go back to the conversation that they're having. And the conversation that they're having is kind of, like, the most important part of the episode. It's such a good, like, one of the all-time best moments between Watcher and Slayer that we get throughout the entire series, I would say. Um, so Buffy essentially says, you know, I just don't know who to trust anymore. Like, I don't know who's good, who's bad, you know, like everybody lies. Uh, everything's so complicated. Does it ever get easier? And Giles said, says, what do you want me to say? And she says, lie to me. The name of the episode right there. And he says, well, um, the good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are always wearing pointy hats. <laughs> and Everyone always, all the good guys always save the day and no one ever dies. And, you know, it just goes on this little diatribe of like, you know, how everything is good and wonderful and things are never awful. And um, the very last line as it goes to black is Buffy saying liar. So 
very good episode all around. Um, so good. So good. So I got to give my ratings for everything. Best outfit of the episode? I don't know. I can't decide. I really like, even though it's kind of terrible, I like Xander's Adidas slash plaid pant combination because he looked like, mm. it was just, that was the time. In 1990, I remember this fashion so well, so well. In 1997, I was, you know, 15 years old, uh, 14 and 15. That's when I was in like eighth and ninth grade. And like all the boys were wearing that kind of shit. And it's just, it brings me back and it makes me happy. I do like that outfit. I also like Willow's outfit in that same scene. Um, I also, Buffy had some good outfits. Uh, probably I'd have to say that outfit that I already said was probably the outfit, which is her like fishnetty type sweater and, um, plaid stretchy pants with the barrette and she had some really good makeup going on. Everybody had good makeup in this episode. Um, the object of affection of the episode, I would have to say was when we first meet Chanterelle, she's wearing a really good shirt. It's like a long sleeved, the sleeves are black lace um, and the like main body of the shirt is like a really low scoop neck. She's got some great cleavage, by the way. Kudos to whoever the Chanterelles, <laughs> the real name of the actress. Great, great goth cleavage in both of her outfits in this episode. Um, but the main part of the shirt was like, it looked like it was a painting or something. You couldn't really see it very clearly because it was very dark in the goth club, but it was just like a nice like renaissance looking blue pretty painting with black lace sleeves on her shirt and it was it was just good so i would say that's the object of the episode the most valuable player of the episode i gotta say is drusilla because we get to hear some of her backstory why she's not all there um and i like that they're bringing depth to a character that i really love so drusilla wins the most important person for me, this episode, pretty much any time the episode is even remotely focusing on Drusilla's character development, she is my favorite in that particular episode because I love her. Um, I wish I could sing it. Buffering the Vampire Slayer has like a little, um, a little snippet, little jingle that they play for Drusilla whenever they're about to have like a conversation about Drusilla. <laughs> they play that at the beginning. And uh, of course, I don't like want to steal their thing but I sing it to myself a lot <laughs> it's it's a little song that makes me happy um but I don't have permission to sing it so I'm not going to um but definitely check out that podcast if you like Buffy podcasts it's way better than mine but um as long as you promise not to stop listening to mine when you start listening to theirs um it's really really good it's buffering the vampire slayer is what it's called um, let's see what else. The quote of the episode, it's got to be that entire exchange. Um, so kind of cheating, but it's got to be that en entire exchange between Giles and Buffy at the, when they're at the cemetery, the very last scene of the episode, because it's just such a good moment. And it's like one of those things that like the first time you see it, it really sticks in your head and it just becomes more and more meaningful every time you see it. It's It's just a good scene and it's really nice moment between Watcher and Slayer and Giles is my favorite. Um, okay, so that's everything. Now just my five by five ratings. As far as enjoyability of this episode, it almost feels kind of low for me to give it this, but I decided to give it a four. I decided to take half a point off because Ford is terrible. Like every time they're casting somebody for like one episode, I mean, I get that like if that particular character was really awesome and charismatic we would want them to stay but like I feel like it they should have some charisma this kid had nothing like most characters that they introduced and then kill by the end of the episode you know they're just bland he was so vanilla so boring so bland so the episode gets half a point taken off because he sucked so bad and we had to like deal with him throughout the whole episode he sucked. And then the other half a point gets taken off because of like little inconsistencies. 
that just annoy me, like the whole cold hands thing and Willow wearing a full face of makeup whenever she's getting ready for bed. You know, little details like that just like nag at me sometimes. And this is one of those days where it is. So it, it only gets a four for enjoyability. It gets a five for clarity of message because I think it is very obvious that this episode is about trust and is about um, morality and how no one's totally good or totally bad. There's always complicated shit. Like at this point, we know Angel to be a good character, but we have to accept that we, we might like him, but he has a very dark past. Drusilla, we have seen as an evil vampire, but she has a complicated past as well because she was tortured by Angel. Spike is a bad vampire dude, but he genuinely loves Drusilla, so there's good in him as well. Um, Ford was doing a really terrible evil thing, but he had fucking cancer, so there were some motivations for him doing a really terrible evil thing. Buffy is an almost consistently all the time moral and good hero, but she let Ford die. She could have saved him, but she would have been saving him to a slow death by cancer. So, like, she didn't do the predictable thing, though. Like, who can you trust? Who can you trust? <laughs> anyway, this episode is so good, and I feel like I could sit here and, like, babble about it for another 20 minutes, but I have to start my radio show in less than 45 minutes, and I still have to, like get my shit together and upload this podcast really short what's up with mixtress let's go ahead and do it at the very end of the episode because i didn't do it before so why not what's up with mixtress i like in contrast to last week last week i had just been on vacation for like two and a half weeks i was so relaxed so calm i had been checking things off on my to-do list i was in a very good place i was almost manic i was so happy and every time that happens, it's always a pendulum. It always is. Like, if I am happy to the amount of eight, I know I'm going to swing back down to two in order to make up for that. You know, it's like, it's always a balance. So I am just at the opposite end of that pendulum this week. I cried today on the way to the grocery store um, because I had completely forgotten this is going to sound so stupid because it is stupid, but whatever. I had completely forgotten that today was payday. And payday for me is not a good day because payday is the day that I have to sit down and I have to pay all my bills for that particular two-week period until I get my next paycheck. And it's usually I have to like give myself a little pep talk before I sit down and pay the bills because as soon as I see that number in my bank account being much higher because I just got paid. <laughs> as soon as I see it, I it all goes away because I have to pay bills. And um, so I have to give myself a pep talk. I really have to do some deep breathing techniques as I'm paying the bills <laughs> to give myself the courage to actually fucking pay them. Because payday for me is not like a happy day. <laughs> But anyway, I forgot that it was payday as Michael and I are on our way to the grocery store. Um, and he mentioned something. He's, I was asking him, like, you know, we always have to, like, how much do we have? Going in, how much do we have? Because we always have to, God, I've been having so many panic attacks going to the grocery store lately because it's so complicated. It's so complicated. Like, we always have a very limited amount of money to get groceries with so we have to, one of us has to have a calculator and most I mean sometimes it's just me by myself too so I have to do all this shit by myself but even with the two of us it still feels complicated because we'll have our we'll have our grocery list and we'll have a calculator and I'll have the target app open like the cartwheel app so I can scan the barcodes of every single thing to see if there's some kind of coupon for it and so like sometimes Keeping track of all those different things, calculating, checking things off the list, finding where things are, seeing if we can afford it, 
um, figuring out, prioritizing which things on the list we could maybe wait a little bit longer on or just not get all together because we can't afford it right now. And it's just all of that stuff. I've been having a lot of panic attacks lately, just surrounding groceries in general. Just getting groceries has become a living nightmare to me. Um, just because of, yeah. Anyway, so we're on our way to get groceries, which is already like I am at... I'm at empty because I just worked six days in a row and today's my only day off and I have to like do all this shit, get all this shit done. I have to do the podcast. I have to do the radio show. I have to like anything I want to get done around the house is going to have to happen today because this is my day off and I have to go get groceries. And on the way to work, I'm like, or on the way to the grocery store, I'm asking Michael, so how much money do you have for this grocery thing? And he says, well, I mean, I've got money. And I was like, how? <laughs> because usually we're on empty unless we just got paid. And I was like, how? And he's like, well, I got paid yesterday. And I was like, what? This is payday week? I don't know how. I completely forgot this was payday week. And he's like, yeah, you just got paid today. Like, because I get paid on Fridays and he gets paid on Wednesdays and we both have two week pay schedules and we get paid on the same week. I wish it were staggered. That would be so much better. <laughs> but anyway, and I just started crying <laughs> because that meant that I had to do that whole bill thing, like that whole giving myself a pep talk, deep breathing, like figuring out if I can afford to pay the bills, which bills can I afford to pay right now? Which ones do I wait? You know, that whole, like how complicated it is to go get groceries is how complicated it is for me to figure out which bills to pay every two weeks. And I am just so on empty right now that I just couldn't even wrap my mind around. I didn't plan to have a nervous breakdown today, <laughs> you know, because I always have a nervous breakdown on payday. <laughs> and I had forgotten that it was payday because I just like wanted to block it out, I guess. But, and it's when I just start crying on the way to the grocery store. And so, yeah, that's been my day. Uh, it's, it's my day off and I've just been in a panicky, sad place. But, but I like to leave these things on a happy note. I really liked this Buffy episode. Um, as soon as I get done talking right now, the rest of my day is going to be golden. I'm going to upload this podcast so you guys can hear it um then i'm going to have my radio show uh which is always good um i'm gonna probably eat some popcorn for dinner <laughs> i'm gonna probably have a beer um or wine because i did we did get a bottle of wine today because some wine was on sale at the grocery store um, so the rest of my day is going to be all right. I only work five hours this weekend um, and I get Sunday off. So my hormones are all out of whack right now and I'm really overstimulated and today was not great, but it's all going to regulate itself real quick. <laughs> I just have to make it through the next couple of days and everything will start mellowing out in my brain. So um, I don't want you to worry about me or anything is what I'm saying. So I hope that you guys have an awesome week. We'll be back next week to talk about the dark age, which is the big um, Giles backstory episode. So um, just to kind of like give you guys a little preview of what we're looking at for the rest of this year on this podcast, um, just real quick. So we're going to be consistent every week for the next couple of weeks, for the rest of the month. For the rest of November, we will get to have a Buffy episode every week. And then we'll have to wait about two weeks. And we'll only have one episode to talk about in the month of December. And then we won't have another episode until the beginning of January. So that's kind of upsetting. There's going to be like over a month between episodes because there's an episode on December 8th and then there's an episode on January 12th. So it's going to get a little inconsistent after November, but the rest of November is going to be consistent every week. Um, and we've got 
the next three episodes before we have to wait until December are, um, before we have that two weeks, before we have to wait till December 8th, are all good, important episodes. Um, and then we get two kind of, that's, that's the sad part is like the one episode we get in December is one that I don't really like. And then the first one that we get after waiting over a month is also an episode I don't like. So, um, yeah. And then we're getting into it because there's a two-parter that's really important. Surprise and Innocence. That's where um, Angel loses his soul and it starts getting dark. That happens two days in a row. So the first part of that is on January 19th and the second part is on January 20th. So um, things are about to get hairy, but at least consistently through November, we get to have an episode every week. So yay. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you next week where we will talk about the dark age. Bye.